Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. I'm Rebecca Minkoff and today's guest is a fashion legend. I am so incredibly honored to be speaking to Norma Kamali, the founder of her namesake brand. Um, She launched her company in 1967, became huge for so many things. She makes the best sleepwear, the sleeping bag coat you've seen all over fashion, has been an innovator in wellness, skincare. She's an author. And I think she's not stopping anytime soon. In 2016, she received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Council of Fashion Designers of America. And, you know, I do have to say, when I was reading, I don't mean to talk about you as if you're not here, Norma, but when I was (laughs) reading about you, all these things that people do that they think are so innovative, you're like, I bet you're rolling your eyes because you're like, "Uh, did that 30 years ago? Did that 10 years ago? Did that 20 years ago? So... I'm incredibly excited to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate being here and I have so much respect for you and a lot of your innovation that was way ahead of everybody too. So as you know, it's all about timing and people catch on to a movement when they're ready, when the time is ready. Very few people are ahead of the pack. And you've been that in, in a lot of the innovative things you've done through the years. And, and it takes time for people to catch up, but to have the insight to be innovative is an exciting type of a person. And to be part of that uh, in your life as, as sort of the kind of person you are is a big thrill. So obviously you enjoy it. I enjoy it. And that's what keeps us trucking along. Yeah. So speaking of trucking along, I normally like to start uh, at people's beginnings. But what I want to dive into in the beginning of this interview is the fact that you've been in business for over five decades. And we're in such a a state society-wise of instant gratification. I need to be famous in three months or I need to be rich in a year. Or so many people are building their companies to turn around and sell them, you know, a couple years later, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm so curious, what keeps you saying, I want to come to work every day, I want to continue my brand, when, when you probably, so many people might say, oh, why doesn't she want to sail off into the sunset yet? What keeps you going? You know, it's very insightful, the take that you presented on fast success and building companies with the intention to sell them. So there's a motivation there that is valid and it's it's very popular. How can I get investments to build a company so that everybody makes a lot of money so I can then create another company to and and that's that's a valid business model. In my look at my life I knew very early on that I wanted a creative life. I knew that that was going to be really important for me. And I also understood that if I wanted a creative life, I probably would not be the most famous designer in the world or would I be the richest designer in the world. But I knew for sure if I kept my integrity about that, that I would probably live a a more satisfying life. And while 
through many years, it was a struggle. How do I make, how do I keep this? How do I keep the company? How do I be the sole owner and not have people tell me what to do and how to do it? And the struggle obviously has been worth it. A lot of people who have been very famous, very rich, had a much shorter lifespan in this industry than I've had. I love the fact that I have been relevant in five decades of fashion. And I love that I'm active in it now and that my business is thriving. But what it does is it affirms in my mind that living a creative life gives you longevity and it gives you the opportunity to do what gives you pleasure. And I feel comfortable with my fame. I feel comfortable with my needs and being satisfied as far as material things go, not a lot, but I'm very satisfied with the choice I made. Now, that may not be a popular decision for a lot of people to make right now, but I believe there are a lot of creative people out there that if they could have a creative life, they would choose it. So my words of wisdom are that you can have a creative life and you can have longevity And there is hope in that concept. And I think I'm an example of it. I think you're the example of it. And I think that I was listening to someone and they very much echoed what you said. It's not about living a successful life. It's about living a satisfied one. And I think when you approach life from that perspective, uh, it changes your decision-making. It changes how hard, how, and when you show up to work, when you take a vacation, you know, Um, because so much has been marketed to us to just put, you know, put your head down, work hard, never enjoy. And then maybe when you're 40, you'll get to. (laughs) And, but there is success in a life where you are fulfilling your dream. To me, that's success. It may not be to the person who wants to build a company and sell it for a certain amount of money. My dream is not successful for them, but this is the definition of success to me. And so I'm trying to really make a point though about early on, I knew I decided to understand my purpose and how I was going to achieve the purpose. And by understanding that a creative life was extremely meaningful for me, I was able to make the decisions, like you said, to to make those decisions along the way. Am I going to give up ownership of my company because it will bring in more money to the company? I'll be able to promote the brand, promote myself, be more visible, or am I going to be the the owner and make, continue to make the decisions designed with total freedom, even if I had to really save my pennies and be tighten my belt. I made the decision along the way, even when the temptation to have some company take me over or somebody to buy me out or to become a partner, I always then decided, no, I need to be the one that controls my destiny 
in this creative spirit. And let me tell you, as someone who's had several partners, that is extraordinarily brave and also, I'm sure, keeps you really sane. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's very hard to have partners, especially unless you really know the fashion industry and you've lived it and you have a total understanding of it, to come in and invest in it is a very difficult thing to do. There are nuances in the fashion industry that exist nowhere else. So it's very risky to get involved with people who aren't familiar with the industry, who just think it's glamorous and it's fashion shows and fame and celebrities. But when it gets down to how you invest in it, how you spend your money, how you plan, how you strategize, it's very different from other businesses. And that's where things go wrong because it's very hard to find the right partners who are the qualified partners and who can appreciate what you bring to the table. Uh, Yes, for sure. I think the fluctuations that can exist within this industry are, uh, I don't think many industries experience as much fluctuation as we do, whether it's supply chain or trend or something getting clogged at the port. Right. Just look at the world around us. Fashion, film, music, all are like barometers of what's going on in the world. We're affected immediately by the financial world, by the what's happening with lifestyle, what's happening in every way, not just the sort of the facts of operations. So we're very vulnerable to anything. It's almost like when the wind comes, we can be vulnerable to it. Weather changes. It's just incredible. The way people behave changes everything for us. So COVID was the ultimate, obvious experiment in how that was going to affect our business, how we sell our clothes, how we tell the story about who we are, what the clothes look like during a pandemic, after a pandemic, how we run our businesses. I don't know about you, but I've changed so much of the protocol, the way we do business, the way we interact with each other as a company since COVID began. Big, 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 big changes. And we had to do that fast, otherwise you wouldn't survive it. So we not only have to create four collections a year, but we have to be able to feel the, like put your finger up and feel where the wind is coming from so that the decisions you make about how you're running your business, what you're going to have on the collection are all relating to what's going on in the world at that moment in time. So with fashion, like you said, the barometer changes, it can change overnight. You know, when you read your Wikipedia page or your bio, obviously it's the highs, it's Farrah Fawcett in the iconic 1976 poster. It's the bathing suit worn by Whitney Houston. You know, your work is in the Smithsonian, it's in the Met. I would love to know, you know, most people have their highlight reel on their bio. So what were some of the lows? And there's lows every day. I tell lots of young entrepreneurs, get ready. But what were some of the lows that you feel transformed you, made you stronger, better, smarter? 
Well, the lows, especially as you look back at the events in in your life, the lows happen. I think it's karmic and I think it's the universe protecting you. When you have lows, it means you have to change something. It means you either leave a relationship or you change behavior or you have to take a big action. Those lows are usually extremely painful, extremely difficult, so that they get your attention to make a change, to either walk away, do whatever it is you need to do to make the change that's going to change your life for the better. What happens is when we have these lows and we try to hang in, no matter how painful, that's when we do a lot of damage and a lot of harm to every part of our lives. And that's not a good thing. But the more painful the the experience is, the more painful the lesson is, the better it is because it will force us to make a big move. And that big move, I would say, always is a better move than where you were before. So for me, I've had some very significant events in my life that were critical to my independence as a woman, to my career evolving in the way it has, to the adventure of trying things that I'd never tried before. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with when something feels like it goes wrong. It could be a mistake you make or it could be anything. I mean, for me, I would say one of the earliest examples of, of a situation going wrong and it being very hard for me to make a change was my husband and I got married when we were 19. And I was working at an airline so I could travel, not as a not as a stewardess, but in the office. And by working at the airline, I was able to travel and I spent a lot of time in London. In fact, I spent every weekend in London. I would travel round trip for $29. And I was in London as the 60s revolution in London was unfolding. And every week there was more and more and more of this new way to look at the world. And as a baby boomer, I fit perfectly into what was happening. And it was at that point that I knew that I wanted to be in fashion. I knew that I felt I could contribute something So I came back, I was bringing clothes back from London, that clothes that nobody had ever seen before because miniskirts were never worn before. So that was sort of the opening the door of completely new fashion. And I opened a shop so I could sell the clothes I was bringing back. And it was a little basement store, $285 a month rent. And I sold clothes there. And then So my husband and I had the store together. He was studying at the university and I was working at the airline and I would bring the clothes back. We would sell them in the store 
He arranged his schedule, I arranged mine, and we managed to make it work together. And then I started to make some clothes that I felt I wanted to see, that I thought would be perfect for where things were going as the 60s uh, were turning into the 70s. And to my surprise, the clothes were selling right away. And he was very a very good storyteller and person that could talk about what I was doing. And we had a lot of success early on and we built the business together. But when you get married at 19, you're marrying a child and he married a child. And then we matured and our interests started to change dramatically. And Part of it was women at the time were not as independent as we are now. And I was feeling a sense of independence and he was probably uncomfortable with that. And he started to date the sales girls and I would fire the sales girls and he would hire them back and buy them watches and take them out. And, and it got to be a point where I, my integrity, my self-esteem was really at stake. But here we had this business where I found my love. I found that designing and making clothes was everything. And that's what, what I was so immersed in. And there was an incident that happened that forced me to leave when when the sales girl he was seeing decided that she was going to be the designer and came to the sample room with some ideas that she wanted me to make. I just looked at her and I packed up my things and I left all of the laces and fabrics and everything I'd collected and I had to walk out. I had $98 to my name. I was separated for him, uh, from him at that point because it was unbearable. I had an apartment. I had my freedom. I had my self-esteem. And so I did not know what I was going to do next. Women did not get loans from banks. Women did not get support to be independent entrepreneurs. I had no clue what, what was in store for me, except I just knew I was losing my soul. And so that was a very low point. But had I not made that decision, even though there was $98 that I could say I had, I just knew that if I didn't have my soul, my life would not be a good life. And I took the chance to try and see how I would make things work. I did not have a plan. I didn't have an agenda. It was a spontaneous departure. And I would think, I would always think, well, maybe if I get some money, but because he then decided he was going to control the money, he made sure I never had money. And so I was in a very, very bad situation. So that's a, that's one of the moments in my career that were biggies and meant a lot for where I was going next. Had I not left, I never would have had the career I have because things happened that never would have happened had I stayed in that situation. 
I love that you share that. And thank you for, for going back to that time period, which must have been incredibly painful. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When it comes to those tough choices, and I, I know so many people can be held up or fearful, right? I go, I go to the idea that, well, I had nothing left to lose except for, you know, at times my self-worth. Would you say that in that moment, that was what you could hold on to? Uh, that's all you have to hold on to. And if you don't have that, and a lot of women are very dependent, especially if you have children, you're not the breadwinner, you're, you're not controlling the finances. Many women, I would say more women than we could probably calculate, have had or are in situations where somebody else is controlling their self-esteem. Somebody else is controlling how they feel about their overall well-being and their and it is a self-esteem conversation and women have that experience to share we all know what that means where other people control us in some way so independence is a very frightening experience because women have other responsibilities, especially with families, and more now than ever before. But for me to even think that a bank would give me a loan, and I have $98 to my name, I mean, why would they take a chance on me? And they wouldn't anyway, because I was a woman. It wasn't, you would not invest in a woman at that point. And then if you put woman designer that's like a double whammy, like two unreliable choices, right? But obviously things have changed, but there's still a lot of that stigma and there's a lot of that belief system that we may be more of a risk. 
And so it is always challenging, but self-esteem must be protected, must be protected because you become immobile unless you can find a way to preserve it. So what was your, what was going through your head then? You have $98, you're a woman, it's the 60s, women aren't necessarily getting loans or I don't even think credit cards at that point. How did you begin to build what is now, you know, your namesake brand from scratch again? So we were in business together for 10 years. So from 19 to 29 and my age, so you get a sense of the chronological age change. So I now had to think about things I'd never thought about before. I was very shy, very quiet. I was thrilled that I had work I could do where I didn't have to be the communicator, that I didn't have to sell, that I could just create. All of a sudden I realized, and I kept all of this secret, all of these years of this really difficult relationship, a secret. I was embarrassed by it and I didn't, I wouldn't want anybody to know that I was putting up with it. And when I left, it was very interesting. I'd never met with any press or anybody because he would meet with everyone. Everybody knew him, but very few people knew me. And Mary Lou Luther, who was the editor of the LA Times, fashion editor of the LA Times at the time, really pursued me prior to me leaving. She pursued and pursued to try to meet me to have lunch with her. She wanted to know who I was. And I agreed. It was the first time I ever agreed to have lunch with any of the press. And and I, it was definitely not something I looked at as an enjoyable situation because I wasn't a communicator. And so I left the world I was in. And the next day, I had a commitment to have lunch with her. I didn't have a way to get in touch with her because I left everything at the office. So I had to meet her. And my face was swollen from crying. I was a mess, a hot mess. And when she saw me, she said, what happened to you? And for the first time in my life, I told her exactly what was happening. And this was the first time I told somebody my story. And her response was, well, I'm going to help you. We're going to help you get sewing machines. We're going to help you figure this out. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, people can't help you unless they know what you need and they know what the problem is. And so I had to figure out how to become a communicator. And so I was able to get friends and family and people that knew about the clothes I was making but didn't know me to actually help me. And I borrowed from everybody and I paid everybody back And so it was a very interesting experience, the segue from not even having my soul to developing this independent persona, being paying everybody, and now having a real business that had global distribution would never have happened if I stayed 
in that situation with sales girls telling me what to do and how to do it. Wow. I think that's incredible. So as you look back on, you know, again, five decades in this industry, if you could distill a couple of salient points of what would give someone hope if they're, if they're encountering the tough times or they're shocked about the hardship that does come with any industry and any, any wise words you have or advice that you'd want to leave our listeners with. And then I have one more question. Well, I think the most important thing above all is to be your authentic self. Never, ever try to be somebody else. There's always a flavor of the month. There's always a famous hot designer for the season. And everybody wants to be like that designer. And then all the knockoffs start and all the lookalike start. Most important thing is to be relevant, but to be authentic. And that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of belief in yourself, even when you may doubt some of the choices you've made that don't work. It's really important to to be strong about that. The other is a huge lesson in life in general. At 76, I can give some life lessons is that sometimes things go really bad. It feels like everything is going bad. Bottom line is you have to you have to be patient, you have to wait it out, you have to strategize, you have to make bold moves. If it, you're running out of cash, you have to spend less. You have to be economical. You have to be imaginative about whatever it is you need to buy or how you need to do things. You have to dig deep and figuring it out because the bad times never last forever. It always turns around and becomes good times. And you have to be as careful during the good times because they don't last forever. And the illusion is to many people that they do. And so you have to be as strategic and as careful when the times are good. Now, the bad times can last for forever if you stay in a bad situation like maybe I would have stayed in. Then there's very little hope that it's going to get better. But if you are paying attention to your self-esteem and your self-worth, following what you should do there, if it's walking away, walking away, and then understand bad times are going to come you learn from them, you find better ways to run your business, you find better ways to live your life, you find more creative ways to get things done. And then it turns around. It just does. These cycles just go up and down. Life is about the up and down cycles and how you manage them. So it's just riding out the good and riding out the bad and being as strategic and cautious with both and learning from both. It's really, really important to keep that in mind. I think those words are so, so wise. And, and um, you've certainly experienced a ton of up and downs as we all have. But I think speaking from your perspective, you know, being in the industry as long as you have, it's, it's extra valid versus someone who's just getting started. I always love to ask this because I always find dimension of my guests 
but is there something we'd be surprised to know about you? Um, there's probably a lot of things that you'd be surprised to, to know about me. I could list a lot of things. A lot of people know that I believe in healthy lifestyle and I have a big investment in sharing as much information about that as I can with women, because I think that that's key to self-esteem and to aging with power. I have quirky little things that I love. I mean, I love, I have a basketball hoop and I like to just throw baskets. And on Sunday, I got 50 in a row except for two. So I don't know, I don't even know how to play basketball, but for some reason, I discovered that I'm able to do this. So I like challenging myself in that way. It keeps me focused. I'm a physical person. I like physical activities. There's one of my quirky traits. I love it. I love always hearing everyone's quirky traits. So my last and final question is, what do you have new and exciting that you're about to launch? Or maybe you don't, and that's also fine too. One of the things that is very exciting for me is when there's a disruptive time, I flourish. This is a hugely disruptive time. So I'm launching a furniture collection that is very closely connected to my clothes in a lot of ways, philosophically, and also sort of the easy care, easy, comfortable life. And so that is launching in the middle of October, and we've already started with some things. It's graphic, and it's fun, and it's um, fashion in a way, too. And my wellness cafe is launching on our website. So I'm introducing some of my favorite products that I like that other people do that I think create really good quality products from hair products to dental health care products. And so I'm happy to share those with other people. There's people doing such wonderful things and they're not famous and well-known, but the quality of what they do is really special. And I'm also introducing people on the uh, Wellness Cafe under Normal Life who have lessons to teach, who have interesting things for us to learn, um, including an astrologer who I think is quite good, who's going to teach you how to read your own chart and to actually do your chart with you. And that would be a six series course. So I'm having a good time with that. There are people who have lots to, to offer and I'd like to share them with people who are interested in uh, normal life and the wellness cafe and lots of other things that relate to the book that I'm working on. So I have a lot on my plate right now, Rebecca. (laughs) I feel you, sister. I love it. You're keeping busy and you're doing so many incredible things. Um, Where can people support you? By everything you make, you make my favorite bathing suit that I own and my favorite cover (laughs) that I own. So where can people support? Well, normakamali.com and normalife.com is where you can find things. But my book 
is really a book about aging with power and a book about how a healthy lifestyle is really a big solution to a lot of emotional, physical, self-esteem issues. And I cover a lot of that in the book. And that book is available on Amazon. And I think I really am looking at it as a handbook for women. And because I'm 76, I can offer a lot of information about what it's like to be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So the book probably could be informative to a lot of people. Love it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for being so, at least for me, someone I go, uh, an endless source of inspiration and optimism. You're very sweet. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.